Uh, if you haven't noticed, Pastor Conrad isn't here. That's why I had Rusty pray. I figured we could hear a redneck from Georgia. You know, it might make you feel more comfortable. <laughs> the last time, last time I saw Pastor Conrad, uh, he was leaving, going towards Pensacola uh, to get his daughter married, and he had a gun in the car, I believe, so I don't know. <laughs> I thought Jordan was a little better than that, but I don't know how it's going to work out, but <laughs> just messy. Uh, I think it was a gift, I hope. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, he's going to love this. He'll probably start texting me in a few minutes. Uh, so you should never let me preach. This is a bad decision, but okay. Well, um, happy Mother's Day. You may be thinking he's finally lost his mind, right? No. Um, you know, I, I know I'm a week late, but here's kind of what we're going to do today, okay? We're going to be looking at Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. And, and the great thing of this passage is, is that if I do a decent job explaining this and you apply this to your heart, uh, it will be probably a better Mother's Day gift than what you got last week. Uh, that this will talk about the relationship between children and their parents and what the scripture says about that. And here's kind of the, the overarching convince, uh, conviction. The closer we can get our relationships between our children and our parents to what the Bible describes, the fuller joy will be in your lives and the more you will glorify God. So it could, you could even say it's an early Father's Day present for the fathers, right? Uh, either way, today could be a great day for you. And uh, before we get diving into the text, a couple simple points of order, okay? Uh, parents in the room, okay? Uh, if you've got a kid that's kind of like at that crayon age, what is that, five years old, four years old? Um, you may want to put the crayons up today because uh, I'm going to be intentionally short, okay? Some of you guys are very excited about that. Uh, be very much to the point, try to be as clear as I can be today, but if they can catch what I'm talking about today, it could really impact the quality of your family life, okay? So there's the first thing, okay? Kids, if you're a kid, and by the way, by kids, you can be zero to 99 and be a kid, right? Like Legos say. Uh, so if you still have a parent in your life, we'll call yourself a kid or somebody like a mother-in-law, right? Uh, a dear saint said this, uh, they, they saw the text I was preaching on and said this would be applicable uh, even for me and my mother-in-law. Uh, who's quite a bit older, actually. So if you're a kid uh, today, uh, which many of us are, uh, stay plugged in today. Uh, kids, uh, if your parents start falling asleep, just raise your hand and we'll wake them up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, and here's the third group that's here today. Um, maybe you're not a parent, okay? You're not a kid. Your parents went on to be with the Lord. Um, maybe you don't have parents in your life. I would say don't check out. Don't say, oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have came today. Because maybe you're an employer or an employee, maybe you're a mentor, maybe you're a coach to somebody's life. There's going to be a lot of things that you'll be able to glean from today's sermon. So, so don't just check out just because, uh, you know, the role of child or parent doesn't apply to you, okay? Those are kind of just generic points of order. Uh, and, and maybe here's the truth. Uh, Raymond's going to talk more about this later on. We have a serious, serious need for children workers in our church. And so maybe in the midst of what we talk about today from the scripture, you're going to feel the calling to serve in children's ministry. Maybe. We'll see. I pray so. And lastly, in form of introduction, um, I owe a great deal of what I'm going to be talking to you today from a guy named Ted Tripp. Uh, he's got a, a series called Shepherding a Child's Heart that's excellent. And when I was a young guy, had little babies all around my house, uh, he helped guide my thoughts on some of these things. So I'll tell you this, that if you hear anything smart today, it probably comes from Ted Tripp. Uh, anything that's not so smart, you'll probably guess where that's coming from, right? <laughs> All right, so let's, let's devote ourselves to our text. And I would ask you, uh, just in honor of God's word, let's stand for just a moment as we read together. 
This is Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you just to guide the thoughts today that your text would take center today and that your Holy Spirit would come help. Uh, God, of all people, I'm desperate today for you to work for your name's sake and for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, all God's people said, amen. 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 Feel free to grab a seat, church. You know, uh, if you're a kid in the room, you may think, you know, is this just one of those kind of random verses that he's picking today? Uh, Ephesians is obviously in the New Testament. But, but here's an, another one, okay? This is in Exodus 20, 12, and it's saying the exact same thing. It says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. So Ephesians was in the New Testament, which is kind of the, the right side of your Bible. This one here is actually from the Ten Commandments. So this is part of God's big deal things. And it's in the Old Testament. Okay, so there's two examples. Here's another example of the same kind of concept. And this is in Matthew 15, verses 1 through 9. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your your father and your mother, and whoever reviles his father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother, What you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrine the commandments of men. So Jesus has asked this question from the Pharisees. Why do you not follow our traditions? Uh, One of them had to do with washing your hands. So young boys, if you want to take that, whatever you want to do, if you don't want to wash your hands, I guess you don't have to. That's not what it means. Uh, But but there was another tradition they had set up. And that was this tradition that if you just promised that your resources were going to God, which actually was the leadership of the temple, that you no longer had to honor your parents and take care of them when they were in need. And I love what Jesus said. Why do you value your traditions over the clear commandment of God. Your traditions are not meant to override what the clear commandment of God is. And so what we have so far, just in the form of kind of like front end stuff here, is we've read it in the New Testament that honoring your parents is important. We've read it in the Old Testament that honoring your parents is important. And now we've seen from the words of Jesus himself. And so what I wanted to say, the first big point here is this, is that honoring your parents is huge in the scriptures. It's over and over and over again. So with that being said, let's look back at our passage, okay? And we'll go verse by verse. Uh, this is kind of the way I teach, is verse by verse, uh, expositionally. Um, Ephesians 6.1 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So if we're just being really simple here, what does it mean to obey your parents? The official definition means to hearken to a command or submit to that. Uh, another verse where the same word is used in the New Testament is this. And the men marveled, this is Matthew 8, 27, saying, 
What sort of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And kids, if you remember this story, what happened is they were out and the storms were going crazy. And he stood up and he said, peace be still. And what did the water do? Yeah, yeah. So let's not make this really complex, this concept of obedience. When it says obey your parents in the Lord for this is right, it would simply mean do you listen to them? Do you obey when they ask you to do something? When Jesus spoke to the water, said for it to stop doing what it was doing, it did that. I read a story once of a little girl, and her and her dad were walking along. And um, you know how conversations kind of go in all these wilds as you're parenting, right? Some of you guys remember those days. And uh, she kind of looked up at him and said, why do you have all that gray hair? Um, you know, not one, by the way, I didn't have any of this when I first came here a couple years ago. <laughs> You're welcome. I love it. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It might be that. I don't know. Uh, and, 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 and he was wanting to kind of just put the conversation off. So he said, every time you don't obey and listen to me, I get a gray hair. And you know how, how little girls do. She started thinking about it. And she looked at him and said, does that mean you never listen to your mom? <laughs> Uh, obedience matters. Amen. We read in Hebrews 5, 8 about Jesus and obedience. And it says this, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. So Jesus was obedient to the point of death, voluntarily offering himself in obedience to the father's will as an example of the way that we're supposed to live our lives. I mean, you think about this. Remember Jesus in the garden and he's praying, you know, not my will, but your will be done. And he knew what he was getting ready to face, but he was obedient to the Father's will, right? I mean, I know sometimes obedience is not easy. When Jesus is saying, I'll do what you say, that's a hard, hard moment. Uh, in fact, he was sweating drops of blood because he was so stressed about what he was saying he was going to be obedient to. See, the posture of a Christian's heart is obedience to the parents, but it's ultimately to the God of their parents. Amen? We read in Colossians 3 this statement. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And let me just kind of stop here for a second and say this. And I've met many kids like this. God, take me and use my life for missions. God, I will become a, a singer for your glory, right? Yet if I start talking to their parents, they're like the child doesn't listen to me at all. See, this is a problem. Don't tell me you're wanting to give your life to God for the glory of his name. But then the very next second, you're not doing the simple things that he requires of you, which is to obey and honor your parents. I mean, this scripture says that it pleases the Lord. I was reading this week in different secular uh, things. And, and even secular people that deal with this matter say that obedience in the home decreases anger and hostility. And it functions to increase joy in this life. Now, they just, they're just tasting the edge of it. They have no clue how deeply rooted that true joy can be. Amen? Amen? A Christian family should be an awesome thing to be a part of. And so parents in the room, as I talk about this, does this sound like your home? <laughs> Give me something, okay? They're like, oh, my kid's right here. <laughs> Uh, if this doesn't sound anything like your home, I'm going to pause for a second, kids. You can check out for just a second, give you a chance to regroup. 
Parents, I'm going to talk to you for a moment, okay? You may be a parent and a kid in the room, by the way. Um, I'm going to give you a principle. More is caught than taught. Okay? And so the question would be for me, if this isn't anything like your home, then is it, is it possible that obedience isn't being modeled in your home? And I've got three, I'm sure if you're smarter than me, you could think of more ways that it's not modeled. But I've got three ways that I believe obedience might not be modeled in the homes, okay? Number one is this. Do your kids constantly hear you complaining about leaders in your life? Okay? Wives, as soon as your husband leaves the door, do you cook him? <laughs> the kids notice that. More is caught than taught. Dads. When you talk about your wife, or when you talk about your employer, or you talk about their coach that's coaching their game, what are they, what are they catching from what you're saying? When you talk about church leadership, what are they catching from what you're saying about how a proper and healthy relationship is obedient towards leaders? See, talking explicitly about the church, uh, Hebrews 13 says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping a watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And I, I want to give you the Kentucky translation of this, okay? You ready? You can't have fried pastor for lunch and expect to have obedient children. Does that make sense? You can't cook the youth pastor and expect to have children that joyfully respond to leadership structures in their life. It's not going to work that way, okay? More is caught than taught. And I love this verse because your kids are catching these things, okay? And I love what it says. If they have to do that with groaning, if leading you is just literally a nightmare in a church, it would be of no advantage to you. And I think when it says it would be no advantage to you, it means this simply that you're projecting that type of leadership mentality to your kids. And guess what? Like other things, it may taste better going in than it does coming out, right? When you get it back from them. A second way I feel that we might not model obedience in our homes is this. We just simply don't require it. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. I got Declan back here, right? So let's say it works like this. Declan's one of my kids. And I go, hey, Declan. Need you to take the trash out. Okay, Dad. You guys got kids like this? <laughs> trash isn't out. So I come back now and I go, hey, Declan. A little more firm now, right? Take the trash out. Okay, Dad. I'm sorry, I forgot. Then whatever you go to, the nuclear option, right? One, two, whatever. You know, I'm going to... Put your Xbox in a grinder and throw it out the window or whatever. I mean, whatever your nuclear option is. And see, what your kids have learned is that obedience is not expected until we get to the nuclear option, right? And see, I think that's a dangerous thing. Because while getting the trash to the side of the road is not the end of the world, in parenting, we must remember that we're doing something far greater than getting trash to the side of the road, right? We have a greater goal. We are pointing kids' hearts towards Christ. The family is a training camp for their relationship with God. Amen. And so when we don't, when I tell Declan, trash needs to go out, 
It should just be one time because that's what God expects in obedience, right? He tells us, and that's what we are supposed to respond. So when obedience is required, if you're a parent or maybe you're an employer or you're a church leader, you are doing something good for the person that you're leading. You're training them towards obedience to their father, their heavenly father. Amen? Amen. So when we train them to do these earthly matters in that way, we're also training them for their obedience towards their God. Therefore, to require obedience is actually loving and caring. And you could take the negative side of that is to not require obedience or to allow delayed obedience is actually unkind. You're teaching them things that will cost them eternally. Amen? Amen. Here's the third way I think you might be missing the model of obedience in your household. And I think this is probably the costliest example. Your kids observe you walk into a church and hear the word of God taught. Okay? And if it is really the word of God taught, and then we walk out and we don't apply it. What have we just showed them? I mean, this is the supreme authority in all of our lives as God, right? And when we don't honor and obey that, how would we ever expect them to obey us in trivial matters, right? They observe that hypocrisy. You know, parents, when we sin, because we will, right? I did this week. What do you do? Do you go to your kids in repentance like the Lord would have you do? I pray that you do, that we're modeling before them what it looks like to be a Christian. I've got a little diagram for you today, and we'll kind of fill this in as we go. Uh, Obviously not much there right now. But the first thing in God's design for our lives is that obey your parents, right? The second thing is this. Verse 2 says this in Ephesians 6. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment. With a promise. To honor someone means that you fix a value on them and you hold them in the highest regard. We read about Jesus in Matthew earlier, and if you look at that passage, uh, what it said was this You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. What we see in this passage is honoring someone isn't just saying the words, yes, mom, yes, dad, right? Because that's what he's saying. You just honor me with your lips. That's not real honor, is it, right? I mean, (laughs) you could say it like this, that if you only honor your parents when they're within choking distance, right? Do you really honor them? No. What you do when they're not there shows me more about whether or not you really honor your parents. And see, when we honor somebody... We place significant worth on them in our hearts. It's a choice. We do that whether or not they're far away or they are close, right? Whether or not they'll ever hear what you're saying or whether or not they're hearing every word out of your mouth. Honor is a factor of that. So if we move forward pretty quickly here, we got obedience, obey, and honor in our diagram for a healthy life, okay? I love what this passage said. It was the promise It was the commandment with the promise. And here's the promise that it says. Verse 3. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. See, this is the commandment with the promise. That if you honor and obey your parents. Kids, check back in now. (laughs) If you honor and obey your parents, there's a promise with this. That it will go well with you and that you will live long in the land. Now, what does that mean? For Israel, it meant a physical space, their national uh, location. 
But for us, it means being in a place of God's blessing. See, God has so designed you and the family that when the kids honor and obey their parents, it puts you in a place of blessing. You experience the Lord's blessings. And I, 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 so I was going to kind of just mosey right on through this concept, but I thought I really need to talk to you about what it means to be blessed by the Lord because we live in confusing times, right? Um, the TV guy will tell you what blessing means, the pastor, and um, I think he can get things really confused. Here's what it doesn't mean to be blessed by God. It does not mean that everything will go well with you. It doesn't mean, man, if I would have just followed that formula, nothing bad would have happened to my father or my mother. Or my life would have been better. It doesn't mean like those trivial things. It means something far beyond worldly blessing and wealth and health. It means this. To be blessed means that your heart is secure in Christ. To be blessed simply means this, that you experience God's favor in all the circumstances of your life. And I want you to think about this for a second. Here's Paul writing about this. And just think about all the things that Paul had experienced, right? Every synagogue he preached in, he got beat in. They would drag him out. They'd leave him for dead. He had harsh times, very difficult things. But listen to the, the resonance of a blessed life through this text. This is Philippians 4 through 13, 4, 11 through 13. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Amen. Amen. That's a blessed life. He experienced some incredibly difficult things, but he has a joy and a peace that this world can't provide. Do you hear that in there? So when we say if you honor and obey your parents, you will live long and be blessed, it means this. It's not a Ferrari, okay? If I would have just followed the formula, I'd have a cherry red Ferrari, right? No, it's not what it means. It's what the guy on the TV tells you. He's an idiot, okay? He has no clue what he's talking about. What it means is that in the midst of some of the most difficult things in life, you have an anchor for your soul. And that's what it means to be blessed. Not worldly possessions, it's much more beyond that. So here's kind of the diagram, okay? If you're looking for God's design for a kid's life towards their parents, as you obey and you honor, things go well with you, you live a long and prosperous life. Sounds good, right? Now here's what I want to do. I want to take a moment and I'm going to do a quick sidebar, okay? And I only do this because of the times that we live in, and we have to be really clear about these things, okay? I am by no means saying that if you're experiencing a crime at home, if you're the victim of sexual or physical abuse, that you're supposed to go home and just be obedient to everything that's happening to you, okay? Is that clear? I am not saying that, and the Lord would not require that for you. The Lord would say, call 911. And if you don't have the courage to do that, you come talk to me. I'll be happy to help you with that. We'll call 911. I've done it before. And here's what I'm saying. That is a crime. It's vastly different than your parents asking you to do something that's difficult, right? It's not like the trash of the road. Oh, no, this is something that's a crime. And here's what I'll tell you. Maybe you're thinking, hey, I don't know if I'm experiencing something like that. Come talk to me. 
Talk to one of the leaders at the church, okay? Talk to your other parent. I mean, if it's one parent, talk to them. Talk to grandparents. Whatever you got to do, make it known. Amen? Amen? Everybody in this church would want to get that taken care of, I promise you. This is vastly different than your parents asking you to do some task that you're uncomfortable with. But if that's going on, let us know, okay? Outside of that situation, the commandment of God is very clear to honor and obey your parents. And some of you guys are thinking this, you don't know my mother-in-law. <laughs> it's always a mother-in-law, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, Bonnie. She's probably watching. <laughs> oh, man, that's fun. Um, yeah, I'll eat that one later on. Sorry. Yeah. Some of you are telling me it's really, really difficult to honor my parents. You don't know who they are. They're obedient to no one. They honor no one. They're, dis, they're rebellious in every sense of the word. You know, I come from a family, um, and I'm going to honor my family today. I'm not going to go into stories, but it was difficult, okay? Uh, to honor them, I'm not going to do that. But if you have a hard time doing that, let me point you to someone, and that's Christ. Here's what Romans 5, 6 says. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So if I'm up here telling you, follow Christ's example, love, honor, and obey those who maybe are difficult to do, I'm not asking you to do something the Lord didn't do for us. Amen? Because this is me, ungodly. In fact, the scripture says that we were enemies of him. And he still poured forth his love towards us. So even if the task of honoring your parents is difficult, I would plead with you, follow the example of Christ. Amen? That he loved us in that way. So even after hearing all this, maybe you go, well, so what if I don't honor and obey my parents? That's <laughs> not like some of your kids. <laughs> you guys get a little sassy attitude. <laughs> Might have been a nine-year-old girl attitude just now. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, sorry, that was a good one, too. I don't, I don't, I don't have a nine-year-old daughter, do I? <laughs> oh, man. See, here's what happens. Even after hearing the clear commandment of God, if we choose to not obey that, it becomes God's design for the church or the parents, hopefully the parents first, then maybe the church later on, to act correctively. And, and, and kind of a visual illustration of this is this. As we move outside of this circle of honoring and obeying towards dishonor and disobedience, we're moving our lives closer and closer to danger. And then... The action of parents that care is discipline because we are now moving them back towards God's design and away from danger. Does that make sense? There's kind of a flow there. I don't want to discipline my kids because I love them. You don't love them if you don't discipline them. It's the exact opposite of God's design. See, for the, for the Christian, discipline is positive. It's not something we do to our kids. It's something we do for our kids because we love them. And we see that while now it's just the trash, it could wreck their life in the future, right? And so we're going to help put in correction to bring them back to that. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. Do not forget this, fathers, explicitly. You are an example of what God is like to your children. That is a high thing. I mean, God has designed this little whole parenting process so the kids, when they need tangible examples of things, 
It's us. And if we've done a good job, the child will understand the Lord's mercy, right? His kindness, his grace, and at times his discipline, right? It's a high calling, but that's what our duty is. And parents that would say, well, I'm not going to discipline them or dis- and, and, and correct them when they start moving out of that obedient circle. Listen, you're doing a dangerous thing for your child. Because if we train our hearts towards dishonor and disobedience, we're doing something that will impact them eternally. I mean, I'll counsel with a variety of people week to week, okay? And I'm going to caution you for a second. Every kid that I meet that had a wrecked life started with a disobedience to their parents. I can guarantee you, every kid I talk to, no, man, there really wasn't much in my, you know, when they said something, they didn't really mean it. This is what I hear over and over again. That they, uh, they, you know, they just didn't really think that discipline was very appropriate. Trashed life after trashed life that could have been saved by parents just being like Christ asked them to be. Amen. Amen. Conclusion. Wow, you guys are shocked, right? You're going to beat the Methodists out today. <laughs> Told you I was going to be quick today. I promised you that. I hope you got it up here. And kids... What are you supposed to do to your parents? And honor, right? Okay, that was good. Hey, that sounded pretty good. I'll take that, right? You got it. See, getting it up here is the easy part, right? Now, the hard part is when you walk out this door and you go get in your car and your mom tells you to sit down and buckle up. (laughs) Hey, you're not getting that drink at at the restaurant because it costs too much. See? Here, we get it. It's crescendo. It's kind of a, everybody's agreeable to this, right? Living it out sometimes is much more difficult. But here's what I want to give to you. It's a fight worth fighting, parents. Amen? Amen. Fight. Stick with it. Kids, honor and obey your parents. But here's what I want to leave you with the challenge, okay? If even after all this, you walk out of here and you're like, hey, I'm going to just kind of start living my life the way I used to live it. Uh, Even if you're 50 years old and your mom's 80, you still have a duty to honor and obey them, right? Here's what I want to leave you with today. This is Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Is the commandment clear to honor and obey your parents? So don't call him Lord unless he's over your life. I mean, kids, if you're not willing to honor and obey your parents, you're on sketchy ground on your salvation. I mean, he says to do this. It's very clear. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this day and for your kindness. And Lord, I ask today that um, you guide us in our response to you, that maybe honor you, Lord, through singing, Lord, through the things that go on um, after we leave this room. May we see Christ as glorified in all things. Lord, in our families, may you make them closer to you and more loving to you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, all God's people said.